This is Swim Success with Music. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Swim Success with Music. I am Walt. I am your music coach, and you are listening to a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, beat makers, music producers, music students. We are about that music life. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in to Success With Music. And for those of you who join us on a regular basis, we'd like to call you our swim team. And I appreciate you guys tuning in, listening from all over the world, in the U.S. primarily. Our goal is to provide some information and some insight that will help you get better at your music. And today we'll be getting into home recording hacks so for those of you that record at home, I'm going to offer some uh, some advice and some insight as to how to take your home recording game to the next to the next level. But hey, it's the top of the show, and I want to jump into some interesting facts. A few episodes ago, I mentioned pretty depressing news to the the, the podcast, which involved Gibson, the iconic guitar maker. Well, this week, Iconic Gibson files for bankruptcy. And this is according to an article from Variety. Gibson, the legendary American guitar maker, filed for bankruptcy protection Tuesday, according to the Wall Street Journal. The petition estimated up to $500 million in debt. The Nashville-based company, patronized by legends like B.B. King, Keith Richards, John Lennon and Jimmy Page said it will continue to operate during the proceedings as it focuses on reorganizing around its core businesses. While Gibson has some of the most expensive guitars on the market, sales have been waning. While competitors like Fender have embraced low cost models to capture a larger market share. All right. So that's that. Uh into that little segment there. But um, yeah, it kind of sucks that Gibson has filed bankruptcy. And for those of you who don't really follow corporate news and things like that, filing for bankruptcy doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to disappear, but it's not necessarily a good thing. So I think they're trying to reorganize, trying to rearrange certain things and maybe focus on certain lines and um, maybe try to fight out of this bankruptcy situation. So they're not dead yet. But, uh, yeah, them filing for bankruptcy is not a good thing. So hopefully they'll pull it off. We'll keep you guys updated. And with that, we're going to turn to some more positive news, and that's giving you some insight about recording at home, some home recording hacks. All right, so many of you who listen to the show, I know that you have recording gear at your house your digital audio workstation, your guitar, your keyboard, your MIDI instruments, interfaces, that type of thing. I want to go through three tips for you today that will help you get the best out of your home recording studio. All right, so let's let's start with the first one. When I first started recording out of my, at way back then, it was my apartment, um, I had issues with sound sound isolation, right? So if you're recording vocals, you have all kinds of noise and ambient sound in the background. And for me, it, it was just um, 
it wasn't the best thing in the world. I hated it. And you can tell that my microphone was sitting there in, in my kitchen. Uh, again, it kind of sucked. So I had no official sound booth. So I want to talk about creating an environment that will hopefully give you better vocals and drier vocals, meaning less echo and uh, resonance and reverb uh, in, in your room. So the first tip is about giving you a better recording environment for your microphone. Now, fair warning, this tip is not going to look sweet, but it will sound sweeter in comparison to just recording in an open, bare room. And the first tip is take your mic stand and uh, head to your closet. And hopefully your closet is full of clothes. Sound, obviously, is absorbed by softer materials and your clothes kind of operates as a good sound deadening tool for vocal recording. So if you're not getting a good crisp, full up close sound, you may want to take your microphone into your closet. When you do this, I highly recommend that you face your clothing and have as you're speaking or singing, you should be projecting into your clothes. So you have your face there, Your microphone is in front of you and behind your mic, there are a collection of dense clothes. Sure, you would like to have something 360 degrees all the way around, but at minimum, you want to capture your voice as it's coming out into the mic primarily, and then you want to prevent reflections, hence the clothes being behind the microphone. Another option, let's say you don't have that type of closet where you can just go in and, and um, you know isolate yourself like that, you can go to a corner in your room and shove a blanket or a duvet in that corner. Same type of deal. So maybe tape it up, nail it up, hang it up, whatever you need to do, but go into a corner of a room and put some thick blankets in that corner Put your mic stand in that corner. You face the corner because you're on timeout and you're going to project into that corner with your face pointing towards the corner, your microphone stand there and your mic. And then behind that, of course, you have your covers or your duvet or what have you to absorb the sound. So as you're speaking, it kind of goes into that corner and kind of localizes there. And hopefully you will prevent some of the bounce back into your room. Uh, creating that that ambient, natural, echoey sound. Now, this is not going to completely eliminate the the echo or the reverb, the natural reverb that occurs in your room, it, but it will help substantially. Now, with that, what I just mentioned to you, some of you guys may be aware of these techniques and others. I, those are just two things to give you better uh, vocal recording sound. I'm going to go on the opposite side of the spectrum here in terms of your vocals at home. Let's say, you know, you are not you're still not getting that sound that you want. You're not getting that tight, isolated sound. If your music will allow, you can go on the opposite side of the spectrum. I would say throw your mic in the middle of the room, let the echo ring out, let the reverb ring out. And then once you're done recording, Sweeten that vocal track with just a bit more reverb. In other words, make it look like you did it on purpose. So if you're getting that reverb, that resonance in the room and you just can't get rid of it, maybe use it as a stylized type of thing where you add to that reverb, maybe throw in some delay or what have you to to, to make it seem like, again, you did it on purpose. So if the reverb in your open, echoey, airy room is working against you, 
join forces with it and go in the other direction and make it more of a stylized deal there. All right, let's move on to tip number two for home recording hacks. I highly recommend finding free recording tools. And you're like, uh, yeah, bring it on, right? Well, the problem is that you, well, I have had a hard time, I've had a hard time finding quality uh, recording tools online at little or no cost in this instance. I'm going to give you two recommendations that you can check out. Uh, I was recently poking around on Reddit and I came across a video for Transverse Audio, Transverse Audio, and they they have a YouTube channel out there. Check them out. That's T-R-A-N-S-V-E-R-S-E Audio. Now, when I went to their channel, they had a couple of videos where they outline a number of tools, free tools, and these tools were pretty legit. Uh, these tools were plugins. Uh, some of the uh, tools were uh, soft synths and, and um, different virtual instruments, and there were like 10 for each category, meaning 10 um, effects, plugins, 10 virtual instruments. So again, check them out. Transverse Audio, just look them, look them up on YouTube. Another resource for free recording tools can be found at a website called KVR Audio. K as in Kilo, V as in Victor, R as in Romeo, audio.com. On there, they have the paid stuff, but there are some selection tools that will allow for you to comb through all of the freeware available for home recording. And they have everything categorized, I mean, very, very, very uh, precisely. You know, your plugins for effects, virtual instruments, MIDI-related tools, you name it, it's there. So use that as a resource for your home recording. Again, it um, if you can just add to your overall toolbox for recording, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I can always like to have some additional tools for editing. And speaking of which, I want to move over into tip number three. If you are recording at home, you should simply make your mixing sweeter. You should get better at mixing your music. This is a skill that will take some time to develop, but I really want you to put some emphasis on honing your skills at mixing. It can take a very bland, simple recording and it can take it to a brand new level. So in other words, you can take some basic basic instrumentation, some basic synths or a drum loop or some basic vocals, whatever you have at your disposal. Let's say you don't have this, this multi-million dollar setup, and that's the whole point of this episode is for uh, the home recording folks. You just have a free a, a, a few tools, maybe some of the free tools I mentioned ab- above. Well, if you just use them out of the box and really don't do too much to it, It may not sound that great. It's all about how you mix, though it may be simple. I'm going to give you three major areas of focus on with respect to mixing. Now, mind you, I am going to encourage you to go out and do some additional research. Maybe look at some YouTube videos, that type of thing on each of these areas. But if you can take these three areas and get a lot better and practice, practice, practice with the following. I'm telling you that your home recordings will sound phenomenal. First thing, panning. Panning, I know, seems like a super simple thing. You have the center, you have left, right, and then and, and, and points in between. 
Panning goes a lot further than that. I'm, I personally am a big fan of LCR panning, meaning hard extreme panning, hard left, like 100%, dead center, and then hard right. If you can master this, this, um, this method for your own musical purposes, your music will sound a lot broader, a lot fuller, a lot deeper. So instead of having to use your imaging plugins or the stereo widening plugins, that type of thing, you can use LCR panning and achieve a much better effect, in my opinion. So again, watch a few videos on panning, best practices for panning. There are no rules for panning, but for instance, a best practice would be, let's let's say having your kick drum dead center. Maybe even in mono, having your hi-hat panned hard left. Maybe having a rhythm guitar panned hard right. Vocals, backup vocals panned hard left or hard right. Or you may have, let's say, sopranos hard left and altos hard right, uh, where the main vocal would be dead center. There's some conventional thinking out there on this, but do some research on panning. It's not complicated, but it's it's not about turning a knob and simply going to the next track. If you can use panning well, it will take your recordings just, again, to a different place. Okay, next thing, dynamics. Dynamics, simply put, how loud, how soft something is. When you are able to master how to place instrumentation in terms of volume, you become a lot better as a sound or a music producer. Like, for instance, there was a time back in the day when I would produce music, I would have, let's say, some synths, some guitars and and drums and things like that. And as you're going through the track, you're thinking, wait a minute, I can't hear the snare. So you pull the snare up. Hey, I can't hear the guitar. You pull the guitar up. Hey, I can't hear the synth. And you keep doing that, pulling up, 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 up. And at some point in time, everything is at the same volume. It creates no distinction, uh, if you will, creates no depth. Learn how to be able to pull instruments down, know when to pull instruments up to achieve a certain effect, know when to push instruments higher, let's say when you're going into your course. If you can master the relationship between instruments in terms of volume, you will have an amazing sound. Go out and listen to one of your favorite artists. Just listen to the the overall mix of music. Try to find that sound that's way, 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 way down in vol- volume. Start to observe what other people do when you have, let's say, some light percussion way, 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 way down. Or you may have some light ambient pads way, 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 way down. Or exa- you don't have to model this per se, but it will give you some clues as to how different the loudest instrument is in the mix versus the lowest. And it will start to kind of give you some secrets as to how to make your music feel full without adding a ton of effects. Nothing wrong with effects as we just went through in the previous tip. But the volume aspect of things can create a better collage of sound, if you will. All right. I spent enough time on that. Let's move on to the last thing. EQ. EQ is your friend. If you know how to EQ Each and every single instrument, how to EQ a sub kick, how to EQ a snare so that it snaps or that it that it punches through or your hi-hats or your guitars to make them shimmer or whatever it may be. Spend some time on looking at how people EQ various instruments or tracks within their mix. 
if you just go to, let's say, for to your master area and just crank up the bass or say, hey, uh, I need to hear some more treble, and you just crank up the high end on your entire track, you're doing it for everything. Everything is getting the same treatment, and that kind of goes against the convention of mixing. Mixing is all about going in and individually taking care of each instrument, as I mentioned earlier with the with the, the panning, and then you have the dynamics, maybe push this instrument down. And then finally, with the EQ, all of these things combined will take your music to a completely different dimension. Now, EQ and all these other things, they're subjective. It's a matter of opinion. But again, if you can go out and do a bit of research on these areas, you'll start to understand the thought process as to why people do certain things. Some of these studio engineers, they don't just crank up the bass on their electronic track. There's some logic behind what do they pump up in terms of like the EQ. Let's say there's an 808 and a bass line. Well, they're both maybe in the same general range. How do you create distinction between your kick and your bass? If you can start to uncover these types of answers, your your mix will sound phenomenal. You'll be able to hear every instrument, but everything is banging. Everything is alive. Everything is full. So it's really worth you putting some effort into. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap up our episode today with a bonus tip. And this bonus tip is uh, about what you say to people. If I were you, stop telling people you're recording in your home studio. Um, Quick story. Many years ago, when I was just first getting started, I reached out to a major television um, production company, if you want to call it that, or a channel, if you will. Everyone, for the most part in our audience and even globally, will know who this uh, this particular uh, broadcaster is. I reached out to them a while back offering some of my music. One of the head producers there, they heard my music, they saw my stuff, and they said, um, Walt, we can't afford you. And I'm like, you can't afford me? And at the time, I was struggling just trying to start my my, my music company. I'm like, uh, dude, yeah, you can afford me. But they heard my music. They saw the presentation of my stuff, and they assumed that I was working out of some multi-kajillion-dollar studio. Wasn't true. At the time, I was working out of my apartment. But the music quality was so amazing in their ears They thought I was working in, again, some super high-end studio, and they felt that I would just be way too expensive. That's a credit to my ability to mix my music in a way that sounds amazing. So my point being is that stop telling people you're recording out of your home studio. Put your music out there. See what people say. See what kind of feedback you get on the sound of your music. That will be the gauge for you as to whether or not you're getting sweeter with some of the things that I mentioned in the previous tip with the mixing specifically. All right. So that's all we have for today. Check us out on the next episode. And if you want to check out all of the episodes or browse through the things that we've talked about before, make sure you go over to successwithmusic.com. Again, our website is successwithmusic.com. There you can actually send us an email and ask questions. We most certainly will put it on air for you. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check us on the next episode. Me in this life that is